stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Guys, Sebastian Vettel won a Grand Prix. And somehow, I'm not actually all that happy about it. Weird. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. <laughs> Hello everybody, welcome to episode 112 of Motorsport 101, coming to you live from a dusky bedroom in London, England. Hopefully my work employees won't actually call me during the middle of this week's podcast for once. Here's hoping. That's that's kind of an you know, optimistic approach for you to the whole thing. I'm Andre Harrison, thanks for listening as always. And uh, yeah, we have a loaded panel as always. First up, representing Tennessee as always, Mr. RJ O'Connell. Where it is not dusky, and it is, I mean, it's quite cold. It looks nice out. I wish I could just, like, throw some of this, like, late afternoon winter sunset over your way. It sounds like you need it. We do. It's getting dark at, like, half four in the afternoon now, and it's, like, it's really gotten cold here in the last week oh, or so. That is, that is such bullshit. That is, I like, know. just asking for, like, if you already get seasonal depression when it gets dark out early, that's just, like, ooh. Yeah, it's darker. It's 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 yeah, it's pitch black by half five now. It's mental. It's 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 not fun, um, but it is what it is. Also representing Scotland, she's back for another appearance. Welcome back, Zoe Hamilton. Hello. <laughs> it's Scotland. What else is new? <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, like... 20 minutes before you, because we're so much further north than you. I've just looked... It's for the best. I've just went onto the BBC weather website and just find out the sun will rise at 8 to 8 tomorrow and set at 10 past 4. 10 past 4? Wonderful. Hey, I guess guess we need to start making, like, joint uh, World Cup plans, because, you know, um, the United States and Scotland are going to be in the same place uh, this coming June. And so too is Italy. And to anybody who said that, if you if you had said like ten years ago, oh man, U.S. soccer, they're never going to be as good as Italy. Well, proved y'all wrong. <laughs> raise raise well, old glory and just wave it way up high up in the air and let it blow in the breeze. Because y'all, we are we are just as good as Italian football. Meanwhile, it's now it will now be twenty years since we last appeared in the. This football World Cup. Is it is it like a Europa League for like failing footballing nations? Like you can throw the Dutch in there as well for while we're at it, you know. Yeah. We'll put them all in the Confederations Cup for next year. What's the, the worst N- that could happen? The NIT of uh, men's soccer. <laughs> it's better when it comes to rugby because we also have to like qualify for that as being one of the top tier teams. We don't There's always that. rugby. There, there is always rugby. More on that in a minute. But uh, places you can find us real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Thanks to everybody that watched the Felipe Massa Dre Brief, by the way. Really thankful for that. That was It went down like a treat. So thank you all for that. Much appreciated. Um, you can check us on our website, motorsport101.com. Oh, by the way, before I move on to the website real quick. Thanks everyone that tuned in for those Gran Turismo streams as well. Like, I got, I'm, I'm glad... 
I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. I might be able to do it a bit more often, but there's really not much single-player campaign left. Um, more on that in a minute as well. Um, but yeah, RonMotorsport101.net. I also put a new article up on there as well, called The Year of the Protagonist, talking about Sebastian Vettel and Andrea De Vizioso's roles in their respective seasons in MotoGP and in Formula 1, and how they've kind of been upsetting the status quo in their own special ways. Worth a read if you're into that sort of thing. Check it out on the website and check it out in the blog section. Um, we're on Twitter, at uh, Twitter uh, at motorsport underscore 101. If you want to follow us personally on Twitter, we are at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at WeZoe. It's exactly how you think it is. Um, and of course, if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon. We're on patreon.com forward slash. Give us your money. Uh, we're at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 early access gets you both early access to both this show and Bike Live, which, of course, we had last week's episode 556 go up on Saturday, talking about the World Superbike finale, Lucas Mahais winning the World Supersport title, and Jonathan Ray making history and cementing the greatest World Superbike individual dominant season we've ever seen. And apparently some Mark Marquez guy won a championship this past weekend. We'll talk a little bit about that towards the end of the show, but uh, yeah. We'll be, expect long discussions on that later this week. Right, without further ado, let's get into Keeping It 101. Zoe, I know you've been bursting to talk about the rugby, so now's your chance. <laughs> we survived! <laughs> but no. Yes. Last Saturday, Am I too scary to Samoans? <laughs> last Saturday was the start of the, the autumn test, where we have Samoa, New Zealand, and Australia, and half a squad. Despite this, we done really well on Saturday. And one of the things I will have to say is obviously it was um, Memorial Weekend and obviously we've done, especially with it being the 11th on the Saturday, so we had the minute silence and it was the eeriest thing ever because the stadium was quiet. All you could hear were the people outside that were still to come in. That was all you could hear. Spooky stuff. It's so eerily quiet. Yeah. It's like going to a Braves game in September. <laughs> Shout out to Alex Anthopoulos, who, by the way, I'm becoming the new vice president and general manager of the team. Um, it's your, please, it's your please, problem now. Please just don't, don't, don't. I, I know you did good work in Toronto, but please don't turn the team into any more of a garbage fire of problematic trash than it already is. <laughs> I, I I am very sorry to hijack this segment, Zoe, but I'm <laughs> I'm glad for y'all that y'all y'all survived and advanced and you're doing things in rugby. Yeah. <laughs> He's just hijacking everything at this point. Like it, it, it's, it's the RJ O'Connell show now. Yeah. I'm like, I remember everybody pack your shit and go home. <laughs> but no, it was a really good game. Like. There was tries from both sides. Um, 
we'd we were hoping that we'd do well or kind of expected to do well against more even with quite a few of our key players missing. The only nitpick I really have is our defence sucked. The number of times that Samoa managed to run through and score was ridiculous. Our attacking was good, our defence sucked. We also had the entertainment of the, the Mexican wave going round. Oh no, not that. Isn't that normally the sign of boredom? I think it is. I think well, that was... and uh, beach balls in the crowd. <laughs> well, it was. We were at the scrum and the, the ref wasn't happy with the scrum and the, the, the Mexican wave started going. And it would go so far until it hit this one corner. Apparently, wasn't taking part, so everyone was doing this one corner. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. In the end, it was a good game that ended forty-four to us and thirty-eight to Samoa. Next week, we have New Zealand, who Ooh. on Saturday beat France thirty-eighteen. Sounds promising. Yeah. Gotta gotta give the probably gotta give the advantage to New Zealand. Just uh, I mean, how many it's how many world F1 number drivers one does? And yep, reigning and, world uh, champion and. Plus, they have an F one driver now. How many does Scotland have? Oh dear. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just it's. Kind we of had all one for a here, day. <laughs> we had one for a day that... this year. <laughs> That just seemed unnecessary, like an unnecessary shot fired at Scotland there, Mr. O'Connell. I will not stand oh. for this. <laughs> oh, it's fine. We've we've got plenty of bullets. Just ask us. We have too many. <laughs> Tax this, guy, this got dark really fast. This, this is your fault, RJ. This is yeah. all your fault. I was being all happy about my country doing well. <laughs> Are you just like Why do you... <laughs> Why do you piss on excellence, RJ? No, no. I, I, Scott, I think you left you out the on. Scott, would you realize how rare we do you well in the on. sports? You left out the you, you were supposed to cut out the on. It's a, a piss excellence. I don't piss on it. Tell that to the Scottish rugby team. You've just gravely offended. We also lost three players during this. We're down in our three players. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing But hey. It is quite impressive. Taking a shot back at America, though, at least we have a health service where they can all afford easy repair bills. Fair. <laughs> Boom. Headshot. Uh, that was me. So, yeah. Untested headshot. <laughs> oh, by the way, um, England bet Argentina 21-8, but it was a boring game. Oh, well, thanks a bunch. I mean... <laughs> You have to get the asterisk in the knee. Yeah, yeah, England won too, by the way. They were really boring. Thanks, just like our football team. But at least we make World Cups. Thank you very much. Well, Both of you. It could have been worse. You could have, be, you could have been Irish, in which case I'd point out that you, the only reason you just won was because you tried to put the exact same strip as South Africa and confuse them. <laughs> it don't matter how you get it. They don't score with South points. All that matters is just the W. Honestly, they were pretty much in the same strip. <laughs> it was quite uh, <laughs> Oh, 
Any more shots you want to fire at the rest of us, Zoe? Yeah, I thought so. Right. (laughs) Italy better Fiji. That's good. (laughs) Their football team's going down in flames, but their rugby team's working on its way up. Hashtag, at least they tried. (laughs) That's it. Right. Yeah. RJ, talk to me about Gran Turismo Sport now. You've actually had it a little bit longer than I have. Like, have, you, have you pretty much done everything that you can do in that game besides um, race online and I, face dickheads? I think I'm still, I'm still like kind of missing um, the uh, the Nurburgring circuit experience because I wanted to make it just like a whole deal. But I think you were about to talk about this that there's not much single player content, and uh, yeah, there's a there's a who there's not a lot of it. Yeah, um, I've done. F- I did like six hours worth of streams on the Motorsport One Hundred and One channel regarding Gran Turismo Sport last weekend, um, and in that alone, I pretty much did like fifty percent of campaign mode in general. Um, it's the single player campaign is not big at all. Like Gran Turismo games used to be famous for its longevity. Um, anyone that's played through Gran Turismo Four will be able to know exactly what I'm telling you about. Uh, Ryan, I know you're listening to this podcast. I, I <laughs> say no more. Like you probably prefigured about 500 hours trying to complete that game. It's and remember, there w- there was no B spec mode. Um, there actually no. there was, but you couldn't do it for like the endurance races. And the sky didn't change from light to dark. So that's just 24 hours of straight daylight. Weird Lama is frozen in time somewhere during the middle of the summer equinox in like the Arctic Ocean or something. Lit. So, uh, yeah, like, I don't think the single-player campaign is more than maybe 12 hours at a push. Um, You've got the driving school, which is basically what you would think of mostly as the license tests from that game. There's just a a few more of them, so to speak, 48 in total. Um, uh, There is circuit experience, which is basically just you doing race tracks in the game sector by sector. And then putting together one decent hot lap at the end. And the good thing is the game hasn't got very many tracks in there either. I think it's only about 14 or something. And a lot of them are very small speedways. Um, so when you factor that in, um, circuit, I think circuit experience is actually pretty easy as well. Like They're, they're very generous on the times in that mode. Um, even a semi-average player could probably get golds quite easily on it. Um, and then you've got mission challenge mode, which is, I've not even touched that yet, but it's basically a bunch of specialized driving missions, similar to Gran Turismo 4's driving missions. A lot of top speed challenges, a lot of driving through cones, a lot of, a few endurance races towards the end, which look fun, but, uh, yeah, the single player game experience is not very much, and I think that's the ultimate problem with Gran Turismo Sport, more than anything else, because I know people have have said to me, oh, Dre, should you get the game, should you get the game, and I'm like... You're probably better off waiting, if I'm honest with you. You're better off waiting for, for Polyphony to patch in more content. Um, they have promised that you know, like all DLC for the game will be free, which is nice because hey. gaming is because I think gaming is pretty much becoming a world of loot crates and loot boxes, which I could rant about for the next That's half hour, but I'm not going to. Battle Force Two of EA. Oh my god, I've I've heard yeah. things. It's a. Uh, like forty-hour grinds to unlock Darth Vader, and like apparently people like like 
there's been so many requests to, for, to, for people to refund their pre-orders that apparently EA has removed the option to do so on their website, and now you have to call them directly to cancel the pre-order. That's how many they've been inundated with, because people on Reddit have caught on to what's been going on. The people on Reddit that have had early access to Battlefront 2 has mentioned some of the things like microtransactions and the fact that their loot box system gives people on multiplayer a direct advantage. So it is basically pay to play. Also, allegedly, it's not even like you have to pay, like, say, an extra 40 quid and you get, like, Darvia. It's well over 100 plus pounds. Yeah. On a game that you're already paying 50 quid for out of the box. It's. Like, I wouldn't be so against microtransactions if the games themselves came for free. But AAA developers want 50 quid for their game. And then they want to charge more for bits that, for example, may may only be cosmetic via a loot box system. I blame Overwatch. I'm not even going to pretend like it's anybody else's fault. It's Overwatch. They glamorized the loot crate and now everybody's picked up on it. If if you're not a fan, I I highly recommend you check out Jim Sterling's work on YouTube at this channel, The Jimquisition. Does fantastic work on video game journalism and... His latest video, The Year of the Loot Crate, it says it all where 23 AAA games have had some, for, some form of loot box system put into their game in the last 12 months. 23. Which, again, kind of says it all. But luckily, Gran Turismo isn't falling for that yet. Unlike Forza. Sigh. Um, but, uh, yeah, like they, 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 they've made a big deal saying that, yeah, we're going to patch more stuff in, the DLC will be free, which is great, but the opening package on disc for 50 quid, it's going to draw some people off, and the reason why I said that is because after the 10 to 12 hour single player campaign is done, you can only really play online, and... Playing online comes with its own set of problems, i.e. safety rating, i.e. competitive players basically trying to pretend this is a console version of iRacing, and, well, people playing racing games online. If anyone's done that before, you know exactly how bullshitty it can be, uh, which isn't ideal to say the least. Um, i got a feeling that I'm not sure people are going to be able to you know, stick around in the long haul as they wait for Polyphony to patch in more content. And I, I, again, I wish it's a habit again of the games industry, which I wish people would stop doing. Like the whole idea of releasing a basic package now and then, uh, you know, releasing a, a shit ton more um, as time goes on after you've already paid money. But then again, that again, that's gaming for you. You get a fifty pound basic copy, you get a seventy pound season pass edition, and you might get like a ninety or hundred pound gold edition that's got like everything and some bonus bits, like the true experience of the game, so to speak. But that's what it is. Uh, at least it's at least it's finished though. Like I've looked at I've looked at some close ups of Need for Speed Payback, and it's like. Yo, that is some low poly PS1 traffic vehicles. Like I know that's not your focus, but um, you forgot but to RJ, test your, the cars. But RJ, like every YouTuber on earth, got hit early with a bunch of free goodies. They're never gonna tell you that. <laughs> Golly, yeah. Um, hmm. Well, um, I, I, by the way, I did have a chance to uh to watch uh play some Gran Turismo Sport. Good job. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I want my match race. 
Let's do it. First to ten. Uh, first to ten. Let's do this thing. <laughs> no, Square up, son. Square up. Fantastic at sections of Nuremberg. He'll be able to do twenty odd corners of it. He'll be fantastic at. And then the rest he'll crash at. <laughs> oh, 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 thanks, Zoe. That's really reassuring of you now you mentioned that. Good job, Dre. You've got like a 40% chance of being really good at this one corner. Every, everything else, sod it. You're on your own. Um... I'm, I'm just basing it off the fact that the thing kept saying, we're giving you a time penalty because you touched the wall or you went too far out or you didn't break soon enough. Yeah, the penalties. The penny I mean, system is grand, bullshit. Granted, back in my grand back in my day, back in my day, you know, it used to be an instant fail if you uh, if you drop two wheels off in the grass. Oh yeah. You know, these it, these kids and their uh, lenient uh, circuit limits and their time penalties. Back in my day, if you put more than two wheels off the track, you you'd, you'd the screen would go grey. Say you'd failed, and right said Fred would start playing. Ooh yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, like that was yellow. That was yellow. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Back in my day, you went off the track and you'd watch Donkey Kong soon buy you and beat you at Choco Mountain again. Oh. Back in my day, we just had the old wuss wagon put you back on the track only for you to get eaten up by a quake disruptor. And now you're down to like 20% shields and the pit lane's all the way halfway across the track. And by the way... We didn't have any of this absorbing weapons into your shield, uh, overshield nonsense. <laughs> Which wipeout did you play the most as a kid, by the way, then, RJ? Um, yes. Because <laughs> for me, like, I played a shit... For me, it was Wipeout 3 that was my main stable game. Like, I, I, I didn't get the first one, and I, I kind of missed 2097. But I played, like, over 100 hours on 3. But yeah, like... I got the Omega Collection as well last week on my PS4, and it's... Pretty good, yo. So uh, yeah, check that out. If you haven't read, like, I got an Amazon for twenty three quid. You can't really go wrong. God, with that. twenty three quid. That's cheap. I paid forty bucks for mine. Granted, I yeah. want it in the store because I really want that physical hard copy. Me too. But yeah, Amazon, Amazon Prime, yo, twenty three quid, one day shipping, no no extra no extra charges for delivery. Good times. Uh, thanks, Mister Amazon. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got to use something to justify me paying for the Grand Tour Season 2 when that starts in a fortnight's time. <laughs> Yay! But, Yay. uh... Yeah, it's like... Still excited about this, I guess. Kinda. It's like, wait, when's Top Gear back already, for God's sake? <laughs> Just get Robot War Series 10 out of the way so I can get, like, another episode of Top Gear in, please. Thanks. That'd be great. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I think that'll do it for keeping it 101 this week. Um, I'm going to fire up my Pfizer, and then we'll get into our main event for the evening. Square up. Square up. Let's do it. <laughs> soon, RJ. Soon. Soon. PlayStation Plus is free for five days this week, and I got all the time in the world. Indeed. Work. <laughs> we'll figure something out. I might even put it on stream as well for the culture. But uh, until then... Let's get into the Mexican Grand Prix. Brazilian Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> Shit.
Ugh. Now that you've recovered from my... T I figures, you know what my problem was here, folks? I actually put Mexican in the set list. That was my problem. Like, and I just I just read off the screen like an idiot. <laughs> Y'all, let's relive Lewis Hamilton's fourth title-clenching moment again. No! No, we not! No. Let us talk about Mats Verstappen getting his second win of the season on a cancer. Let's not. Let's talk about the Brazilian Grand Prix. And, uh, yeah, the penultimate round of the season. Thank God it's almost over. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> guys, Hamilton didn't win. Hamilton didn't win? What is, no. what is this? Um, it, it sounds like... You know, we, we talk about, uh, with Brazil, we talked about the famous uh, Tema da Victoria. Uh, I think we now have to call it Tema da Discordia, because uh, hey. it is, uh, there's a lot of discord and a lot of chaos around here. Lewis Hamilton doesn't even make it out of Q1. Yes, indeed. Lewis Hamilton... I Lee McKenzie that he won't be losing his focus now that he's won the title this year. <laughs> of course. As he pretty much makes his first mistake of the year. <laughs> Just be honest and say, like, you know what? Nah, I got this in the bag. I'm going home. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Where's the ice cream truck? Yeah, Lewis Hamilton bins it in qualifying, proving he's fuming. And then decides to prove he's infuming again by finishing the race in fourth place from the pit lane. Making a complete mockery of everybody. How did people enjoy this? Like seriously, like, like I, I, like you know what's amazing? For the first time in ages on Twitter, I was not optimistic about Ferrari, and I got killed for it. Like, what do you guys want from me? <laughs> well, it's um, like... in fairness, you, um, your brand of uh, positive reinforcement did help one Valtteri Bottas step his game up and take pole position. I was not best pleased. I was like, ah, Hamilton's not in the Q1. Easy pole position. Let's go. Oh, damn it. By 30, by like not even a, a full tenth of a second either. It was. I think it was, point zero, it was point zero. It was .038, I think it was. The fact it sticks out in my mind says a lot. And yeah, Val's third pole position of the year. Not that it really meant much, because by the time that we got to turn one, Sebastian Vela was able to get ahead due to a better launch. And, well, he pretty much led every single lap of this race. Normally, I'd be really happy about this. But, as I mentioned on Twitter, and I will say it again here, it's kind of a numb victory when Vela wins at pretty much at a cakewalk, was never really put under any true pressure. Um, but yet... Lewis Hamilton, who started from the pit lane, ended up only finishing five seconds behind him. Um, Oof. Yeah. It's like, what am I really celebrating here? Like, Congratulations, you're one of a complete fluke that Hamilton binned it in qualifying, which he never does. <laughs> it's like, I just sat here just being like, you know what? Like, what am I celebrating here? Like, I, I just, I was numb. I was just like, oh, he won. Yay? <laughs> like, and like people were trying to drill optimism into me. That was funny. It was like, well, well, Dre, like he won, and it's like, well, yeah. I mean, he's pretty much cemented second with that victory in the championship now, which is nice, I guess. Yeah, 
any though, hey, I remember distinctively on this podcast saying that the, the, the target of three wins for Seb for the year would have been great. He now has five. So, I, I have to be nice about this, but like, let's be honest, RJ, it was the Lewis Hamilton show, wasn't it? Oh my goodness. Um, so, full disclosure, um, I just watched the highlights of this. I had it DVR'd, um, and then the you race didn't, you came didn't miss on. Much. I had I had it DVR'd, and I uh, just decided, you know what? I need exercise because I've been staying up all damn night. Uh, covering other stuff, and then I woke up early damn in the morning, uh, worked on other stuff, and I need a little bit of uh, of uh, outside activity. Figured, right, I'll go for a walk. I'll let the race just play itself out. I check out on check in on Twitter every now and then, and all I see is that, oh, um, Vettel is leading this race. Okay, oh, Lewis Hamilton has um, already made his way up into the top five, as I had kind of expected honestly yeah i mean okay i wasn't i thought okay he might get into the top eight because i was still assuming off mexico where hamilton actually kind of struggled under dirty air and wasn't able to pass people so easily this time around he went through to feel like a hot knife through butter it was ridiculous nobody had an answer for him not even max verstappen who tried to slam the door in his face only to be passed around the outside of turn four um, which, yeah, kind of said it all, really. Like, the, it the helps. Knife, yeah, the knife is hot, and the DRS is the blowtorch that's being applied to the butter so that it melts before the knife even gets halfway through. Yeah, pretty much. Um, even Zoe was impressed. Kind of. <laughs> well, after, like, how much Mercedes has struggled when it's had to start further back for most of the season... It's definitely a car that's been designed, as long as it starts in the top front two rows, it will charge off into the distance. It's true. Of the Mercedes. Uh, Having a new engine certainly helps as well. That's why I took the pit lane stop rather than being on the back of the grid. They thought, sod it, we'll take the pit lane stop, we'll replace some engine bits. Yeah, it it certainly helped. He, he He was going like... 20 miles an hour faster through DRS than Verstappen was. Apparently, Red Bull were blaming, like, conservative engine maps for this. But uh, I know DRS is DRS, but, uh, like, when Verstappen's entering a braking zone at 190 and Hamilton's hitting it at 210, you've kind of got no hope, really, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, like, a fourth-place finish from the pit lane, and, and he could see the winner go over the line, which is crazy. Um, Hamilton said it himself, like, yeah, you can see Vettel in the distance hit the finish line for the race victory, and, uh, yeah, kind of said it all, really. Um, it just kind of, like, sucked the air out of everybody on Twitter who wasn't a Hamilton fan. It was just like, oh, well, that's ominous for next year, isn't it? <laughs> oh, buddy, it's, um, yeah, were, were Lewis, were they running their 2018 parts yet? Apparently, there was talk that some say yes, some say no. I've heard conflicting reports on this. I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, I've, uh, but by any measure, if he's able to carve a field like that, then what hope is there for us all? Like, Hamilton started from the pit lane and Val was only three seconds in front of him. Like, why do we even bother at this point? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was terrifying. I was, I was just sitting there going, 
like like did you see the middle like i don't think i did it because he saw the highlights but the middle period of the race where hamilton was leading because everybody else had pitted and like vettel could not make time on hamilton even though hamilton's tires were like 30 laps older (laughs) i i heard about this yeah hamilton pretty much did like half the race on one set of tires and he could and he still had pace in hand yeah it's ridiculous he was ridiculous like there is nothing more you can say the man's inhuman when he wants to be and uh yeah he just destroyed everybody on that one um which is kind of pointed a lot of fingers at his teammates again it it like turns out the shotguns are out it's Bottas season yo and i don't mean that in no good way um noted former formula one world champion and loyal opinionist and former musician jacques villeneuve had this to say about the situation he said it was a great drive from vettel he won it at the start villeneuve tilled out of sport he was aggressive when you see what the mercedes is capable of you just have to look at lewis and bottas wasn't up to pace it's embarrassing for him lewis finished around three seconds behind him when he started from the pits it's embarrassing he simply is not on the level of hamilton it's been like that all year. That's his level, which is a good number two. Um, whew, I mean, his teammate, his team boss, Toto Wolf, didn't exactly help. Um, he added these comments as well, saying, I think Lewis the whole year has been rock and roll, and Valtteri has recovered slowly, but still needs the tick of a killer, said Wolf. But you must not underestimate that in traffic against the Ferraris, it was pretty difficult. You can see that at the end, when Ferrari switched the engine on, there was not much difference between the cars. Therefore, you cannot expect easy overtakes. Valtteri had a solid race, but he lost it at the start. Guys, like the 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 noise from the anti-Bottas camp is starting to get a bit bigger now, isn't it? I wouldn't be worried. Mercedes already has their first prize money, and they're going to get more bonuses just because of their position in the sport. They're fine. If Bottas starts to come into a position where he starts costing you, like, Constructors' Championships, maybe maybe it's time to look into another option. I don't know. You still have him for another year, and you're probably still going to win 2018 hand over fist anyway if this race was any indication. True that. Um, it's, it's an interesting one because... We talked about this a little bit before we went on the air, and Zoe pointed that out, that, yeah, the Ferrari traffic situation isn't great. And, um, yeah, the point I made was, well, when has Val challenged Hamilton for a race win at any point in this season? Um, I drew blanks from everybody else in the Discord about this right. one. Like... Let's, uh, let's look at Russia, a race where Lewis Hamilton's race was pretty much compromised from the start. Mm-hmm. Still got to pick up those points when you can. Um, Austria, same situation. Lewis Hamilton had to start fairly down back. Botas did not. And that Mercedes can really go, especially when it's not buried in dirty air. And that's about as, as that's the that's about the montage of highlights from Valtteri's season, really. Um, like, is is this okay? Is, is it okay if Val's a number two? Like, were we spoilt from Nico Rosberg? Is that part of the problem here? Yes. Definitely. I think I think it's certainly a factor in that. Um, like, I saw more people than ever tweet after the race, we miss you, Nico Rosberg. And I'm like, oh, so now you people realized he was actually really good. 
Gotcha. <laughs> as if as if the world championship didn't already prove that to some people. Now it makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know what to tell you on this one, folks. Like Mercs right now, they have the one-two punch. It's an accidental one-two punch, but it's still a very, very effective one. Um, whew! <laughs> Just as I say that, Zoe doing the Lord's work finds a breaking news story in IndyCar. Breaking news, IndyCar Director of Communications Mike Kitchell has resigned from his post after four seasons of the sanctioning body, effective this Friday. Is this bad? Not- Zoe, help us out here. I'm not as sure as, let's say it's literally, the, the, the tweet announced is like a minute old. <laughs> it's still hot off the presses. You see what we do on this podcast? Yeah, you won't be hearing this for another three days most likely, but hey, we still bring you that breaking news. Fresh <laughs> content. Fresh as hell, like 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 a, like a loaf coming out of the oven. Fresh, it's great. But, um, dreadful communications, huh? Oh dear, I hope, hope, hope that's not a social media issue. Because their social media is very good. <laughs> just, just saying. Like, it's like as Zoe pointed out. Look, Lewis Hamilton had like a had like a rotating camera this weekend. Where they get with the times? A rotating <laughs> camera rotating. that could look a, straight ahead or 180 degrees straight behind. I couldn't do anything in between. We've got to start somewhere, Zoe. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. But as they keep liking to tell us, this is the pinnacle of motorsports. This is where the best technology and blah blah is. It's a meritocracy. <laughs> but Zoe, don't pretend like your IndyCar favourites don't half get their nuts on the table regarding how great their sport is too. <laughs> yeah, but they... If anything... It... Yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, but they still manage to cheer on other sports than that, without dissing them. Unlike Fernando Alonso's engine. Hey! I'm terrible. You just, you just had to do it. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> oh, the Alonso fan club hates me. It's great. Uh, so, so, yeah, like... It announces with two Alonso fans and the <laughs> doing this well. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Just, but... put, him in, just put him in that TSO 50 already. Please, please, Mr. Toyota. Please, Mr. Toyota. But yeah, like, the Bottas situation, I do think, like, to a degree, I think people are looking for a pound of flesh. And I think it's, I think that's partly down to excitement for trying to see somebody else in that car at some point. Because it's the best car. Because Val's a relatively safe, inoffensive, solid option people start to get itchy feet like i've seen it in murdo gp with danny pedrosa for years on end same with like red bull when it's mark weber and like, what does for... danny pedrosa do like every every couple of races danny pedrosa will pull out a win that nobody expects yep like he, he's the cleanup man he's the janitor so i'm gonna call him from now on the janitor because he cleans up mark marquez's mess every once in a while and he does it in great fashion but yeah same deal like ferrari with Kimi raikkonen right now because God damn it, Ferrari needs a better number two driver if they're going to win this title. Um, but, hey, that's what, that's what it is. He's a fine number two. Mercs have no real threat right now. So, you know, does it really matter if Val's not winning, if Hamilton's doing his bit? Not really. So, you know, it helps when the reigning world champion is, you know, kind of inhuman. 
Just saying. Um, sadly, though, we must bow our heads and take a moment of silence to say rest in peace to Esteban Ocon's 27 race finishing streak. There is no more O-consistency left in this world. That's how you know the enthusiasm for this Formula 1 season has very much deflated. It's gone. Rest in peace in pieces. It's over. Rip <laughs> like, in pepperoni. Ocon's 27 race finishing streak has come to a bitter end due to the hands of Romain Grosjean. It you got, even... Never, it ended in the, like, the same way. It goes beyond same F1. way. Are you go. <laughs> Don't mind me, guys. God. Oh my God. We're we're just kind of tripping over each other a bit, and that's kind of what happened to Esteban Ocon and Romain Grosjean. We have seemingly the safety car was already deployed for basically Stoffel Van Dorn being caught in a sandwich between. Daniel Ricciardo basically making one optimistic pass too many, and Kevin Magnussen on the outside because, well, Kevin Magnussen, really. Um, Van Dorn was out in the middle of that sandwich. Unfortunately, his race ended at turn two. Um, The safety car was deployed. Meanwhile, Grosjean was half in the middle of trying to overtake Esteban Ocon. He may have had a slow puncture by the looks of it, but... He's on the racing line. He loses control of his car. He spins out. Ocon gets collected. Um, they both go into the wall. Actually, not so much Grosjean. Grosjean was actually able to continue. Um, but Ocon's 27 race finishing streak has come to an end. Grosjean got a 10-second time penalty. And I think two penalty points on his license as well. Um, for causing a collision. Which may have been unfair given that Grosjean apparently had a puncher on the car already. I mean, we. I mean, we, he made sure we all knew about it, given it's a Grosjean radio call. You know what he's like at this point. <laughs> he likes to moan the odd bit, but um, was, it, was this a little bit unfair? Well, it, it did look like a general racing incident. It didn't... It did just look like two guys trying to go for the same bit of turf. Neither was aiming to whack the other one out the way. But if it has been a case of Roman's had a, a puncture and it's not actually properly revealed itself until that point, then the two penalty points is really harsh. I think it is a bit harsh on that one. Um, if he has got a puncture, then well, there's not much he can really do. Um, I would have proposed maybe get out of the way of the racing line, but that's about as far as it goes, really. I, I, I think 10 seconds and a penalty point. Is also, I mean, Grosjean's race was already ruined anyway as a result of the puncher in the early pit stop. I mean, did you really need to whack 10 seconds on at once? Like, I, I, I didn't see the point of that one, but... Sad, Esteban Ocon's first single-seat retirement in a race since 2014. Sad face. It's the end of an era, yo. It's fine. He can start it up again in Abu Dhabi. There's always time. Always time to break that record. I just find it hilarious that the, the same, the, it ended in the same way that Matt Chilton's record ended with an awkward first clap, lap collision with a French driver. <laughs> hey. 
Oh dear. It was always meant to be. A French civil war that ended Esteban Ocon's finishing streak. Sad face. Speaking of sad faces, Felipe Massa's final Brazilian Grand Prix. Again! This time. <sighs> or as our, our, our friend of the show, Matt, puts it, the, the Felipe Massa retirement tour with a vengeance, basically. But hey, he had a really good race, yo. Finished in seventh yeah. place. You know, the best of the rest reward, as I like to call it these days. He won and the he... LMP2 class. Sweet! Class victory, class victory, and he narrowly beat old adversary Fernando Alonso over the line, which had brother Ryan and I going, "Yeah, boy!" <laughs> it's like, "Go on, Massa, get him!" <laughs> all, all those years of, of you treating him like a doormat, like, "Go, Felipe!" Um, it it was lovely, um, a great result from him in seventh. I liked the fact that they they gave him time on the podium to himself um, after. Um, we had Kai Abel's salmon-coloured uh, sweatshirt interview the the, the podium of uh, of uh, Val, uh, Seb, and, and Kimi. Uh, Massa came out and said this was the best possible result. Um, to thank all the fans, I love everybody. And uh, his like, go go, go on, Andre. <laughs> his son got on the radio. His son he got did. On the radio. Massa, you. Things to ever happen in F one. His son is so pure. <laughs> Felipe, Felipe, you know, like, just like, oh, like, brother Ryan started crying when he first saw that. Take on, that, on, like, sad Kimmy fan from Barcelona. <laughs> we're, are we using kids as emotional bargaining tools here, RJ? You sad, yes, sad man. <laughs> you cruel you fiend. You <laughs> also, I really liked your start, and I'm like, out of boy. <laughs> Oh, brother Ryan was in tears when he when he when he first listened to that one because he's an old school Massa fan deep down. He just doesn't want to admit it right now. <laughs> so Ryan, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I may just throw you under the bus a little bit there. Sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, a, a, an emotional weekend for Felipe Massa. His final home race, though, no, actually for real this time. I know Smedley was out there pouring out tributes. The whole team gave him a, a, a signed race suit, signed by the whole team. Which was nice. Did they give him another car? I don't think there's. I don't think there's room in the budget for that this year. RJ. Damn I mean, it! It's, uh, <laughs> um, I don't, like, they, might, they might have to claim it back as a tax write-off or something. I don't know. <laughs> claim, cl- claim it out of expenses. <sighs> yes, this car races in the British Virgin Islands Championship. It's a, it's a uh, it's a it's a Formula Libre series. You you may have heard of it. It's a little bit obscure. Did they race on sand? Um, yes, indeed. They race on they race on a number of different uh, circuits, uh, many of which are already being built. You, you, Sweet! You can't, you can't disprove this. Uh, if it if it goes on the tats form, if it goes on the tats form, I mean that's pretty much true. Yeah, I mean, is it like Forza Horizon 3's Hot Wheels DLC where the track is literally still being built as you turn up? <laughs> yes, those are the best kinds of circuits. You never know what will come next. This whole tube might come down from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Well, but yeah, Felipe Massa. Yeah. Don't remind me of that time Hinchcliffe drove over that one Indy car. I'm still mad about that. It still has me pressed. 
But uh, yeah, like sad times. Felipe Massa's final race the next weekend in Abu Dhabi. We all know where the emotions were going to be left in Brazil because it's the last home race. But uh, you know, here, like it's kind of weird. Like that's just an outdoor bar after the race. Like you go up, turn up at the track for a few hours, do your media commitments, and then you're just like. Right, it's time to fucking party. Question. Given that Abu Dhabi doesn't allow alcohol, how did McLaren smuggle all that Johnny Walker in? God, I didn't even think about that. So, they do have allowances because they do allow foreigners to drink, but you have to be in certain areas and you can't give to the native population sort of thing. It's that sort of thing. There'll be loopholes. Trust the Scot to be known on the known alcohol laws in Abu Dhabi. Oh my goodness. Generally, that's how these sort of things seem to go. There'll be set areas you can drink, you just can't drink in other areas. Did that come up in your like pub quiz last week, Zoe? No, I, I just remember there's been one or two incidents involving like British people who have gone up to like Abu Dhabi and other parts of the middle the middle east and they've got drunk and then they've done things that they haven't really supposed to do because the native population and gotten into a lot of trouble yeah don't hold hands don't kiss don't drink on the beach definitely don't drink and kiss on the beach it's it's not a good look oh god no don't do that They'll cut your hand off for that. Um, <laughs> and uh, whatever you do, certainly do not bet the over on Ferrari in 2018. Take the under. Take the under. I don't care how low that number is. <laughs> Take the under. More on that later in this season. <sighs> like, 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 it's like, it's like the clip last year when Kimi Raikkonen's on their high-speed roller coaster and Raikkonen doesn't even flinch in, like, the most Kimi Raikkonen thing of all time. They've, they've done that, that with him a few times because there's also one with him and Fernando, and Fernando spends the entire time going between I'm absolutely terrified and, oh my god, this is awesome. <laughs> and Raikkonen's just a blank face because, you know, that's the only reason people still like Kimi Raikkonen these days because he's basically oh. a parody of himself. <laughs> Fun times, yo. Also, on a not-so-fun note, um, yeah, the safety of this Grand Prix is kind of in doubt now and because, well, the teams were robbed on multiple occasions this race weekend. Um, Mercedes' team bus was held up at gunpoint by armed robbers. Um, luckily, no, everybody was okay. But, um, you know, some parts lost and nothing more. Um, And on top of that, Pirelli and McLaren came together to cancel their upcoming tyre test they were going to have. McLaren was meant to stick around in Interlagos for the rest of the week and uh, do a tyre test with Pirelli out there. Um, They both came together and cancelled it after Pirelli's truck was threatened at gunpoint as well by people outside of the circuit. And this was after the government had beefed up security for for the race itself. Um... Yeah, multiple robberies. I think the Haas team was uh, was a victim of one as well. Um, Ruth Buscom tweeted about it as well um, to to the press. It it wasn't pretty, guys. Like I've said it before. Like, I've, I've, I've said I've said it 
on Twitter multiple times like they can't have the Grand Prix on the calendar if this is going to keep happening because apparently this is not a re- going to Lewis Hamilton's Twitter this is not a regular thing like this is a regular thing <laughs> yeah and it's uh, it's a thing that Formula One's kind of been looking at the other way um, there was a story that about um, Jensen Button got uh, got held up at gunpoint and Bernie Ecclestone he tried to pass it off like they were just trying to sell him a hat Bernie! <laughs> Why? Uh, yeah. yeah, because uh, here's here's what we're looking at. We're looking at a situation where Formula One has to seriously run the risk, has to weigh the uh, the risk of, like, you know, endangering the, uh, the health and safety of everybody who participates it, or ditching one of its more traditional and popular venues on the calendar um, that's also got loads and lords of formula one lore it really really does like i've said this before like the only re like part of the reason we look at brazil differently than we look at a place like bahrain which has had stuff like this happen come up before um it's about a half century of racing history it's fittipaldi it's pk it's carlos pache and it's especially when ayrton senna do brazil do 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 um yeah it's i mean i know the fia is not going to do anything about this because it's the fia and you know i'm cynical regarding the fia and they'll just wash it off and they'll come back next year and you know the heat will die down and it'll all be fine because it's what the fia does and should they actually cut the event because we're gonna have people swing 180 from talking about how terrible it is that they're being held up at gunpoint at Interlagos and their safety are being threatened, swerve all the other way to, no, you can't drop Interlagos. You can't drop all this tradition. If it means having a gun held at my head just to try and get through this race weekend every single night, we can't lose Interlagos. No, you would just, you wouldn't even just say any of that. They would just like scream tradition. Because that really seems to be the answer to whenever things happen involving the older tracks and people aren't happy with the answer is tradition. Tradition, yeah. If, H- if they were to act on this this year, it would still be sooner than the fact that they waited until 1985 before they realized that racing in apartheid era South Africa, not necessarily a good idea. Yeah. It comes not up with more more. No, and hey, the FIA has always been socially aware of itself, right? Right, right. Right. They've absolutely not been. And what this comes down to is the fact that in Brazil, especially in a part of places like Sao Paulo, Brazil's a great country. It's got a great racing history. It's also a country where you have a lot of corruption and you have a lot of income inequality. And what's the one place where you have the biggest demonstration of income equality than... A city like Sao Paulo, where there is a lot of poverty going on, and a lot of crime, and the most elite of all motorsports that it comes up to, um, I defer to I defer to a Brazilian driver, Joe Paulo Lima de Oliveira, who races in Japan in Super GT, raced in Super Formula, and basically just said, you know, if you're going to have change, it's going to have to come down to the people. Um, making change by voting in the right people voting out these corrupt politicians and actually and voting in people who will actually do something 
help get rid of the damn crime. Especially the violent crime. Yeah, like armed robbery in this case, which is just awful on every level. And traumatizing for the people involved. Like, I'd be terrified if somebody held up a bus that I was in at gunpoint. Like, that's... Then wasn't it, was it last year or the year before we had, it was, uh, we went up to, someone tried to do an armed robbery on Jensen uh, Yeah, uh, we just, yeah, yeah, they did. And Bernie Eccleston, when asked about it, was just like, oh no, they were, they were just trying to sell him a ball cap. Give me a fucking break. Yeah, like that, that was the quote of a man that has never had to worry about anyone mugging him in his life, given that, which is amazing given he's like five foot nothing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not pretty, and, like, I am firmly on the, in the camp of get rid of the damn thing if this is gonna keep happening, because one of these days, somebody might get testy, and we might hear about F1 crew member fatally shot during armed robbery, and then what the hell are we all gonna say then? Um, Tradition! Shut up, Zoe. (laughs) It's it's what Eric Senna would have wanted. Oh, God, I can actually imagine somebody saying that, too. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck me. Um, no, get rid of that. Like, 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 like if Interlagos is a Brazilian government, if their government is not going to do anything about this, they can't go there, in my opinion. Like, I don't care. Like, you know me. I've I've asked for Monza to be dumped for years now. So you know exactly how I feel about tradition. Um, Sodja tradition, if a race is putting people's lives at risk... It probably isn't worth running, and I don't think that's an unreasonable statement. But, uh, yeah, you know, history and all that. History's fun, you know, apart from all the stuff where you realise and you feel guilty about what's going on in the past, like, you know, potentially somebody getting shot. Just saying. Like, that's probably... That's probably not good. Ugh... But uh, that just about covers everything out of Brazil this past weekend. Um, not the best race, if we're being honest. Um, it was okay. Like, you're better off doing an RJ if you ask me and catching it on highlights. On the F1 YouTube channel, which is very convenient. You can also get all the team radio stuff too, which is always a fun time. You can talk about Max Verstappen's hot ass. It's <laughs> tasty. Uh, and he can he can hear yourself cry at Felipe Massa's kid one more time because it's all cute and stuff. But uh, yeah, moving on from Brazil, let's get into the news. everybody lando calrissian norris is moving up in the world again he's gonna have a very busy end of end of year for his calendar because he's going to abu dhabi next weekend abu dhabi to race in the 2017 formula 2 season finale a car that's going to be replaced next year so he has basically no point of reference for 2018 not like he'll need it nah he'll be all right <laughs> He's a freak, he'll be just fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Lando Norris taking part in the Formula 2. Like, which team is he with again for this one, RJ? He's going for Campos Racing, who, yeah, have, so. just, um, who have just uh, announced that um, 
Swiss driver Ralph Boschung is no longer going to be driving for them um, as of immediately. So they have decided, right? Let's uh, let's bring in uh, let's bring in Lando. Let's Why do, not? Let's right? do the damn thing. Why not? Why not? So he's doing that, and I think isn't he racing in Macau as well? Oh yes, he is racing Macau this week, y'all. We've got Macau Grand Prix this weekend. We've got Formula Three cars on city streets. We've got super bikes on city streets. Oh, that's dangerous. And also, y'all, we got we got GT World Cup, and we got the possibility of somebody finishing the race and winning it upside down again. Lit. Hot fire. So, yeah, check out Lando Norris in that and the Formula 2 season finale next weekend. It'll be fun, I'm sure. And, hey, it's Lando. So, even if it's not great, I'm sure we'll have some witty jokes for us on Twitter afterwards. Now, also, one of the more subtle stories that came through from Brazil this weekend mostly came about on Friday and Saturday morning as, uh, well, we, we know we like, a good, we, like a, we like a good fracas on this podcast. And we Fight very... Mike Club is back! And we got another edition this week as uh, Cyril Abitable and Dr. Marco decided to have a full-on brouhaha over, well, surprise, surprise, kids, it's the power units. And uh, basically, Toro Rosso may or may not have gently accused Renault of tampering with their shit. <laughs> oh my this- god, this all started the, uh, this all started with a, uh, with a press release. This all started off with a Scuderia Toro Rosso press release uh, that um, basically said, comes as a big surprise to the team that Cyril Abitable has suggested to the media that the problems with Toro Rosso suffers with the power unit are primarily team-related and the way in which the power unit is operating the SCR-12 chassis. I'd like to clarify that the all the MGOH and shaft failures Toro Rosso has recently suffered are not associated with how the team is operating or how the power unit is integrated in its chassis. Uh, of course, here comes here comes the barbs. Since the summer break, Toro Rosso has suffered continuous power unit-related failures, and the resulting grid penalties it cost team cha- points and relative positions in the constructors' championship. We mustn't forget that they, as in Renault Sport, are fighting with Toro Rosso for better position in the constructors' championship. And soon after that press release hit the airwaves, y'all, it was on. Like we were, I was kind of sure that uh, that Helmut Marco was just gonna like make an overnight phone call to Honda. Honda rep is just like, yes, I don't care what you're doing, Mister Hasegawa. You better give me some damn engines. And then Sunday rolls up, and you just see the Toro Rosses and the Red Bulls just rolling in. Like, wait, is that Honda? Oh my God, they're dropping a Honda power unit on the grid. <laughs> we're gonna get the engine crane out. We're plugging it in right here and now. <laughs> Um, yeah, the last line was was really sassy on that press release where it just says, "We like we mustn't forget the, the fight with Toro Rosso for a better position in the constructors' championship." As suggested by Mister Abitable, the situation may not be a coincidence, but it is certainly not due to Toro Rosso's car. Mm-hmm. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> and Renault, yeah, exactly what you think. Yeah, it's like, are you tampering with our shit on purpose, basically? And then Renault said, we're not, but if you like, we may not give you engines for for Abu Dhabi next weekend. Oh and it's my like, god, it's getting so spicy. 
yeah, it's 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 gotten ugly. And then, on the day of that press release, there was heated words exchanged on the hard camera between Cyril and Doctor Helmut Marco, and like Cyril was pointing fingers at people. That's normally fighting talk. Um, <laughs> like Marco was after about to catch those hands. It it, it wasn't pretty. So uh, you know. I like that Dr. Marco tried to pour cold water on the whole thing, saying we've had a great relationship with our engine supplies, and I'm like, weren't you the guys that were throwing Renault under the bus at every given opportunity since the hybrid era began? Like, just saying. True. Yeah, that is very true. It's kind of why we kind of suspect, like, hey, it's it wouldn't be surprising if Red Bull just decided, fuck it, guess we'll go with Honda soon. Why not? They really wanted that Mercedes engine, and it doesn't sound like they are happy with Renault in either one of their cars, even through the end of the season. They know they're going to switch out one of them. It's kind of just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, it's... Yeah, like like, it, like we mentioned this before, it seems like Toro also getting their units next year is like a dummy run. It's like, if this works out okay, we'll put the whole team on them, because... As mentioned, like, they have not been happy with, with Renault from the start. As soon as they realized, oh, wait, it's not our car. It's the power units that suck. Um, and then dropping the Renault name altogether from their engines and basically running Tag Heuer power units, um, of course. So ever since then, it's been kind of awkward, to say the least. And this is only adding fuel to that fire. Oh boy, uh, Renault threatening to pull their support right before the final round. Just maximum pettiness, which I almost kind of appreciate from Renault, because it, that's like LeBron James level of petty. It's it, it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, let's see how that plays out. I think it will all die down, they'll all hold hands before their final round, most likely in Abu Dhabi next weekend. But uh, whew, we got a fracas there, folks. It was not pretty. Um... Speaking of not pretty, Pirelli have announced that this weekend, well, they're confirming that we we kind of already knew, there is going to be a sixth tyre compound in Formula 1 next year. And good news, we get to pick the name. (laughs) Way, what are the choices? You could either go for A, the Mega Soft, B, the Extreme Soft, or C, the hyper soft. We, we can't just call it the floppy compound. What, like, I'm sorry, RJ, but the, the name floppy has already been tied down to one of our awards oh, for yeah, our that NVIDIA is our award show. Right, and we're not giving Pirelli it. Pirelli, you're going to have to pay us. You're going to have to yeah. pay us for the right to use that. We want exclusivity deals like Porsche did in video games. Like, I'm not, I'm not giving that up easy, RJ. Like, um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Nick smooth smooth velvet soft as fuck how about that <laughs> down pillow I... arsenal <laughs> oh, ouch I have to... right in the Europa League qualification I have to say I do love how it's hard medium and then lots of different forms of soft like, yeah should it be um, what? we shift like maybe have a super hard, hard, medium, soft, soft, intermediate, wet. Uh, Dre, how many race laps have been a run on uh, the hard tire in 2017? It, it Zero. Must be a lot. Oh, oh. 
it's why Peretti pulled their hard tire for the rest of the season, like halfway through the summer break. They were like, no one's running this goddamn tire. All the races are one to two stoppers because the tires are bigger anyway. Sod this. We're gonna just we're just gonna pull the hard tire for the rest of the year. Um, so yeah, I don't think anyone has done a single racing lap on the hard compound tire all year long. And if you see the pattern, every weekend we go to, teams don't bring more than one or two of the highest compound tire available, and they ditch them as soon as possible through free practice one. So what's the point of having a super hard compound tire or this this ultra mega Arsenal soft that they're going to bring in for next year? Like... I, 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 Will Buxton had, had me and him had a little bit of a back and forth on Twitter about this um, yesterday, and he asked like Buxton asked the fans like, "What do you want to see out of tire stuff this year?" And I made my magnum opus quite clear. I said, "Listen, you like I don't really mind having multiple compounds. It doesn't really matter because you're only bringing three to a race weekend anyway. My issue is." Try to aim the compounds to be soft enough where you can run for two to three stop races. Because like Brazil this past weekend, a lot of the time they only end up being a one stopper. So there's no room for strategy. Like as soon as Vettel came out of the pits ahead of Bottas halfway through that race, it was effectively over. Because we knew Bottas couldn't pass on track. And there was only one pit stop in the race for everybody. So there was no... There was no option or legitimate reason for anybody to run a two-stop race in Brazil. So, my advice, aim for two to three stops a race, open up the strategy paths a little bit, have a bigger difference in quality between compounds, have a bigger performance difference, like we had last year, which seemed to work out quite well, because you had legitimate guys running different plans, like... Merck's running the medium tyre in Australia, like Haas getting their first points finish in their opening races because Grosjean effectively didn't stop after running the hard compound tyre into the ground, which was basically the medium for that race. And yeah, like I just don't understand why Pirelli are overcomplicating things by adding a sick dry compound. Like, what do you gain from this? That's all I want to know, but... Um, I think you gain the illusion that this is what's fixing the uh, the problem, the main problem, which is the fact that, you know, um, the tire situation is a mess. They can never find a good sweet spot. If you make it too soft, everybody complains that you can't push on the tires. If you make it too hard, you complain that there's no strategy and that people are allowed to push too much. But, RJ, people like it when they push too much. It gives us the illusion that they're pushing flat out. Wait, I guess you're right. I guess that's sensible. Yeah, like... We need to come up with more creative names for the tire compound, though, like... What what are some other soft things? Why don't they go for the IndyCar style where... Yeah, there's a bunch of different compounds, but we only take two per race. One's the hard black and one's the softer red. Like, keep it. Simple. Are you basically quoting IndyCar right now? Are you doing this again, Zoe? Yes, because IndyCar. You IndyCar snob. I'm not even IndyCar snob. It's because they still have multiple different compounds. It's just for each track, they only bring two of them. You- it's almost like it has the illusion of having different compounds. It's great. 
Well, if that case... Always, of... always be yourself. Mm -hmm. Unless you can be IndyCar. Yes. Then be IndyCar. Yes. And you normally get um, on the... During practice, you'll have... They'll bring the Firestone rep on the, the... the IndyCar radio. And he'll explain which compounds they picked and which other races these compounds have been used for. And it's actually quite interesting that way. Ram just, we have a really soft tyre, and we have an even softer tyre. And we have a tyre that we hope is even softer than that, but it's probably not really. And it could still do half the race. Yeah. And how many IndyCar races are one-stoppers? Very None. few. But they also have... Refueling. None! Don't, just don't bring battery fuel in, please, for God's sake. Refueling doesn't yeah. work for... F1. It really yeah, doesn't. Yeah. IndyCar, IndyCar does it out of necessity because the races are typically longer and you can't go all the way on one tank of fuel. Formula One just does it because that's the way that they just decide, right, you, you've had your fun. Now we're done having fun. We're done having fun at this track. We just want to bury this race. <laughs> So RJ, what's your vote for the name for the name of the tire then? Um, the uh, the the S A W F T soft compound. The Enzo Amore compound, delightful. <sighs> oh dear, Zoe, you get to introduce this next segment. How lucky are you? <sighs> I do. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it's firmly in the bracket of cool shit about women in motorsport. So I thought it's only fair that you lead the charge on this one, or shall we say, bring the force. Yes. <laughs> Brittany Force of the Force Clan has won her first top fuel drag racing title, which left Father John in a fit of tears, to the point he had to walk away from his interview on how proud he was of his daughter. Oh, it was, it was the most adorable thing. It was awesome. <laughs> Younger sister, uh, Courtney, came third in the championship. Hey, Double podium. That'll do. <laughs> it's quite a fast family. So just, just a shout out to them. Like, that is awesome shit. Like, anyone that's, that's never seen top fuel drag racing, my God, I don't know how they could even fit in those cars with the size of their brass balls. Um, it, they are incredible. <laughs> they are incredibly brave. Borderline stupid <laughs> because of how fucking ridiculous it is. We also they are have the awesome. Of Graham Rahal being a trophy husband. Yes. Who is more successful wife? His <laughs> vastly yes. more successful wife. Hey, we don't we don't tell jokes here on Motorsport 101. Only facts. Yes. <laughs> he may have a Penske ride. Technically. But she's the one who's got the results. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see it right now, but Graham Revel is currently fighting Takuma Sato as an act of vengeance for Zoe's savage joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Just don't let him hear you mention that. <laughs> you know he can be quite salty, Zoe. You know, you know. Like, never I don't think he deserved that trip. Never forget that motorsport.com once had Chip Ganassi in its grid girl section. Ew. 
I remember this. This was back when they had the grid, the grid girls section. Yes. And a picture of Chip Ganassi just turned up in the middle of the folder. Yes. It was Chip that, Ganassi in a suit. That, that must have been a mood killer for a lot of people that were crazy <laughs> enough to go through that section. It's like, no, it's like, yes. It's like, it's like the Austin Powers movie just goes, yes, 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 no, no. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Probably for the best that that section's now gone, <laughs> quite frankly. But yay for Britney Force. Awesome stuff. And congratulations to the Force family in general. Awesome and stuff. Congratulations, and congratulations to Graham Rahal. Did the dishes, made the table. Then Mama came home. Boy! <laughs> yes. Go get him, Graham. Atta boy. Uh, alrighty then. So, RJ, tell us about the awesome Super GT season finale. Yeah, we had a uh, we had the 250k Motegi GT Grand Final at Twin Ring Motegi, the uh, the road course and not the disused super speedway that's basically a parking lot now because of uh, irreparable structural damage caused by the earthquake from 2011. Sorry. And also the fact that nobody wants to race there. Ah, um, it was a very, very entertaining race. Uh, in GT500, Nismo pretty much just rested their nuts on the table all weekend. Um, <laughs> Ronnie Canarelli blew away the uh, the track record by a tenth of a second. Uh, by the way, his lap record is now two seconds faster than the... It's faster than the Motegi pole record from 2011 on the same road course set by scott ditson and huh. granted that 2011 indycar was not meant for road courses but that's still a single seater that weighs uh significantly less than a gt500 car very impressive yes and ronnie canarelli and sugio matsuda basically went on to dominate the whole of the race this was even after uh on the on the final turn before the formation lap ended, they got clipped by the second-place car of Andre Caldarelli, uh, knocked a big chunk of the left rear diffuser off the car. It didn't really affect them at all. Like, they just booked it from out from that start of that race. Even after a little bit of tire rub, there was, like, no stopping these guys. It was a pretty historic win for Matsuda and Caldarelli. Matsuda gets his 19th victory. It's the most all-time. Kinderella gets his 13th win. He's now the winningest foreign driver as well as its only four-time champion. And the winner of the championship, the Letsis team, keeper, Red Bull, Tom's car of Rio Hirakawa and Nick Cassidy. They are the youngest champions ever at age 23 apiece. Um, wow. Cassidy has his driver, has his co-driver edged out by a couple of months. Um, they were the only team to win multiple races all season. They were one of the few teams that finished in the points in every round this year. Red Bull gets an immediate return on investment uh, of sponsoring motorsport in Japan. And you have two young drivers who really, really could be in Formula One in an alternate universe. Like, I think it was the day after that I found a photo of uh, Ryo Hirakawa testing for Dale Coyne Racing back in 2013 at Sonoma. Like, they were dead set on having this guy drive for them. And it just never happened. Apparently, because Hirokawa was very close to Toyota at the time, Toyota was just like, yeah, we're not having you drive a Honda-powered car all the way across on the other side of the Pacific. But you know what? That's really awesome to see these two guys. Like, I 
I can say from personal experience that Nick Cassidy is one of the most awesome people that I've had the pleasure of like interviewing for Super GT World and seeing watching him race. He's just been phenomenal and you know, I I view Hirakawa equally as highly. I think like he's one of he's probably the equivalent to like a Shohei Otani, um, the Japanese baseball player who can who could throw a hundred mile per hour fastballs and probably Jesus. hit forty home runs in a season if you gave him enough at bats. Um, he's that good, and he might be in the twenty eighteen LMP one car for Toyota, maybe along a certain Spaniard. Maybe it's just maybe it's just fantasy booking. Uh, GT three hundred. We had Good Smile Racing win their third championship in seven years. An anime inspired car is a three time champion. And probably one of the greatest cars ever. Also, oh, it's Mercedes AMG's first championship, if any kind, in Super GT. Uh, Nobutera Taniguchi, Tatsuya Kataoka, three-time drivers champions. That equals a record, and another title in the hat for Ukio Katayama, who really deserves a lot more respect for the job that he's done. Basically, turning a team around from a novelty act into a perennial title contender. Nobutera Taniguchi is one of my favorite stories in motorsport. This was a guy who did not get his start in karting. He got his start drifting on the streets of on the streets of Japan. None. Act- yes. Yes, he uh, yes, there is actually if you look up footage of him drifting up in the mountains, it's on YouTube. There's a there's a video of some dudes following him around and he has like he's got the uh, the white and black uh, Toyota Sprinter Trueno. Like he's trying to emulate Keiichi Suzuki as Keiichi Tsuchi as best as he can. Um, he's just chucking it through these narrow mountain roads, and everybody in the car that's trailing him is just going, holy shit, he's going <laughs> so fast. <laughs> and that's how we and that's how we got his start. He didn't turn professional until he turned 31 years old. He had jobs holy as like shit. a Yeah. He he was also a garage hand. He was also a freelance journalist. He spent a year doing that. Um, he was the inaugural D1 Grand Prix champion. He was the first professional drift champion when he went pro. And now he's also like one of the greatest GT circuit racers from his home country. And he got to do the spa 24 hours. And I was so excited to see him, um, compete in that event. And also to see him win another title, uh, as well as the rest of the good smile team. Like they are, they're a big deal. Awesome stuff indeed. Feel free to... um... Yes, and you can watch the whole thing back in its entirety on Nismo TV. You may even hear me referenced a couple times during the broadcast from Sam Collins and Rob Barth. Shameless self-endorsement there. That's almost like I'm on the show. (laughs) Get that exposure. It's just as good as money. (laughs) Yep, Zoe, you can never criticize me for for shameless self-plugs in there now, can you? <laughs> yep. And don't forget about the good girls. Yeah, when they actually get around to having a show every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a couple of changes happening in that. I think back next year. Soon! Stay tuned for 2018! Good stuff, yo. Good stuff. But again, if you haven't already, check out RJ's great work at Super GT World. Um, it's all good stuff over there. Um, definitely worth checking out if you haven't already. We're going to stay with you, RJ, for a little bit. Talk to me a bit about NASCAR this past weekend. Oh, buddy. 
this was a race that I watched. Um, I watched the, this was the penultimate round of the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series presented by Monster Energy. Monster Energy. Um, at Phoenix International Raceway, where we saw Matt Kenseth winning in his, what might be in his penultimate race start, because here's the thing. Matt Kenseth is out of a ride next year, and he's already announced that he's stepping away from the sport a bit. Matt Kenseth, by the way, is still really good. Yes, he's 45 mm. years old, and this was his first win of the season, but he's one of the greatest champions. And I say that as somebody, you know, back in uh, back in 2003 when he actually won the title, I was just like, oh, I hate the way that this guy's doing this. Oh, and why couldn't have somebody else won the title? As it turns out, with the passage of time, you kind of realize that, right, he's probably one of the greatest drivers of his generation. And both he and Dale Jr. are both bowing out. But in Kenseth's case, it's not going to be on his own terms because he's kind of been forced out of a top-flight ride. And Kenseth, rightfully so, does not want to hang around, do laps uh, at the back of the field for the rest of his career until he's 50. Like, that's beneath him. And good for him for not, for, like, not taking that just to prolong his career. Um, it was pretty cool to see him get a win. Over Chase Elliott, who was also a big point of discussion during the race because after the race at Martinsville, after that wonderful uh, induction fight club, where are we going to see Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin round two? Well, we got it. Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott were battling for position during the race. They make some slight contact. Elliot runs Hamlin up to the wall just a bit. Nothing nothing like extreme. Like, he didn't plow him in the wall. He just kind of touched him a little bit, drove him up in the wall, just enough to graze it. And then, just a couple laps later, Denny Hamlin blows a tire, ends up crashing out of the race, and his chance at the championship is done because he's eliminated from the championship four. And, oh, buddy. It didn't actually come to blows, but we were kind of just like, Wow, yeah, Danny, you kind of, you kind of, I kind of had that coming to you because Chase doesn't he asked normally for that. race. Yeah, Chase doesn't normally race people like that. Um, and that was pretty much, um, yeah, we've got a, we've got a very entertaining championship for now that NASCAR has systematically strangled out its youth movements for one season. Kevin Harvick has a shot at winning a second title. So does Brett Keselowski. So does Kyle Busch. And Martin Truex Jr., the man with effectively the single-car team that's based thousands of miles away from all the other teams in the sport, also went with a chance to win because he has seven wins this season. Jesus. Kind of ask I, I, me. I'm uh, mm, kind of rooting for Truex here at this point. Yeah, you and me both. Out of those four, I'd like to see Truex win one because he was so good last year as well that didn't quite come together for him. I would like to see Truex get a title. That would be, that'd be pretty cool. But... Uh, yeah, uh, Denny Hamlin, you kind of asked for that one, really. And, uh, whew, not that I blame him on that one. Um, luckily, there wasn't I'm a not, fan to fight him. Yo, I'm not ready for Dale Jr. and Matt Kenseth to have to walk away from the sport next week. I don't think NASCAR is either, to be fair. And that's it's, part of the problem they have. It's, it's the track and field problem all over again. I mentioned this on the podcast during the during the world champions i said listen what's going to happen to athletics now now usain bolt's gone i said i said i said during that i said listen i don't i don't think athletics is ready for usain bolt's retirement (laughs) um 
It's like, who the hell's going to be the face of your sport now? Like, who's going to watch 100 meters now, like, for Justin Gatlin? Like, no one's going to be here for this. Um, it's that sort of problem. And it's like, well. It's going to get to a point, like, where I think the face of the sport is still going to be Dale Earnhardt Jr., color commentator for, I want to say it's NBC. I don't know. I don't know who he's signed for. He's not Dale Earnhardt Jr. anymore. Remember on Twitter, he's now Ralph Dale Earnhardt Jr. Oh, yes, that's right. And he is on NBC. That's good. Yeah, that is good. Definitely a good thing. I feel very sad that Rick Allen, uh, their lead announcer, has started to cut popular accidental catchphrase out of it just because his kid showed him a YouTube video and he got self-conscious. That makes me sad. That's why you never hear him belt out, Problems for the 48! Jimmy Johnson also crashed out, and he can't go win an eighth title anymore. Oh, no. What a shame. (laughs) Oh, dear. Maybe next year, Jimmy. Um, uh, Yeah, a couple more pieces of news to get through on this one. LMP1 stuff. We talked a little bit earlier about, about, you know, the possibility. Hey, maybe. Just maybe. You know, Fernando might end up trying to do more of the Triple Crown stuff next time round. Uh, in the meantime, LMP1, a class that obviously needs to change a little bit, given that, uh, well, as we know it, the class seems to be dying. But RJ, they'll be going back towards, dare I say it, road car designs? ACO Sporting Director Vincent Bomanil confirmed that making morphing LMP1 to something uh, akin to GT prototypes of the late 90s and early two options was one of the plans they have on the table to try and reinvigorate a category that is shifting very much towards a heavily privateer format. We know that BR Engineering and S&P Motorsport are going to reveal their LMP1 car within the next week. We know that Manor has bought a Janetta LMP1 car. We know that Dragon Speed has an LMP1 entry in the works. So a way that they could try and uh, get back some interest here is to try and make the cars more like more like road cars. And I can't necessarily say I blame them for that because I'm starting to see that with DPI, and it's working out great for them. It is working out for them. Yeah, it's wonderful. You take the styling cues of some of your road cars and it's a whole lot cheaper and the racing's still good it is definitely um also i I must admit i was mighty tempted to pick up one of those 118 scale casts of those wayne taylor racing cars until i realized they're 150 bucks and i'm like oh (laughs) now i know what johnson had all the problem collecting all those die casts for because oh boy that's pricey yeah, one of the things they're not talking about is moving tor- moving it towards, like, being a hypercar category. So if you wanted to see, like, a McLaren P1 battling against a LaFerrari, battling against a Koenigsegg 1-1, uh, you're kind of out of luck. Damn it! <laughs> We've got to save it for Gran Turismo Sport, guys. We've got to save it for Gran Turismo Sport. Yep. Sad face. Sadly, another bit of sad news coming out of Australia on this one. Um, turns out a poor eight-year-old girl's died due to drag racing. Like, Zoe, I think you were the one that pointed this out on our Discord server earlier this week. And just, uh, fool, this is heartbreaking, isn't it? Uh, yeah, she was doing a solo test run 
when her vehicle hit the concrete barrier at Perth Motorplex, according to the police. She was treated at the scene on, sa on Saturday before being taken to the hostel where sadly she passed away. And this was her trying to get her license for doing your for doing your drags or racing. This is crazy. Like, according to but... Mike Sperlin of the Junior Dragster Australia, who told the news outlet Perth Now that beginners whose age range goes from eight year old to seventeen reach the top speed of about twenty five to thirty miles per hour. Or 40 or 50 kilometers per hour. Which. Eight? Is still quite quick, especially when you're in control. Like, I. I will admit, I don't know how fast carts go at, but at the same time, with carting, you're turning, and there's you've got brakes and that, you're not. With drag racing, you're expected to keep it in a straight line and. The yeah. reactions you need are a lot quicker than you need for carting. Yeah, 25 to 30 doesn't seem like a lot, but remember, they're kids. They're 8 to 10 years old. Um, my, my sister, Melissa, actually lives near a drag racing circuit where they do have a lot of young drag racers between the ages of like 8 to 16 competing. And, you know... Thankfully, you know, they've never had anything like that happen as far as far as my knowledge, but my goodness, this is just this is really sad. Yeah, I mean, we've we've all seen those road safety commercials. If if like getting hit by a car at 30 miles an hour is still more than enough to kill somebody. And um driving into a cement barrier at that speed, yeah, that's that's horrific. Uh, the moment I mean, we slice it I mean, Everyone remembers, like, Richard Hamm's crash. Oh, yeah. And you think he was a... He's someone who's was given a lot... Like, had a lot more sort of experience, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yep. something went wrong, and he still... He was still lucky to come out of it, as he did. Yeah, he, he he came out of it pretty much okay in the end. But even even after suffering brain damage from the accident, time will probably have been a lot quicker than this. Guy, oh yeah, than an eight year old because not only yeah he's found this, but also he's doing driving in general. He all he has experience of doing emergency brakes of things you don't expect an eight year old to have. Indeed, um, obviously very, very sad indeed. Um, thoughts, look, our thoughts go out to the board family as well. Cause that's just brutal. It's, it's such a contrast when obviously we've got Brittany winning um, the championship over in America. Um, and Nita board sadly lost her life trying to get her foot on the ladder. Awful, awful, awful. And that's a that's a cruel irony there as well. Just awful. On, on slightly brighter news, um, we're gonna do what we don't normally do on this show. We're gonna cut to the two wheel lodge just a minute and uh, 
talk a little bit about the MotoGP hashtag final showdown that was to happen this week in Valencia. Now, if you want a full taste of what we're going to be talking about on the show, listen in to Bike Live later this week. But, I mean, RJ, there's no which way of slicing it. Mark Marquez is a monster. <laughs> that wheel was sideways. Yeah. Yeah. He saved that. And he won, he won another title. His sixth in total. His fourth in the premier class. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, please listen to Bike Live on the Motorsport 101 Networks, which you can get with early access along with your early access to this podcast. Woot woot. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Y'all, that was nuts. Mark Marquez is an alien. He's just 24. <laughs> Like, we're going to be having conversations about Marquez being one of the greatest riders, if not the greatest rider to ever walk this earth, pretty soon. Like, this is... I've been watching MotoGP since 2000. He's a terrifying talent. Like, I've never... Like, we... I don't think we have legitimately ever seen anyone quite like him. Like, we... Like, I was the, the person that was sitting there and saying there'll never be another guy like Valentino. And, um... Yeah, I, I, there was me thinking Valentino was a once-in-a-generation talent, and you're looking at Mark Marquez and you're going, how on earth is he doing half this shit on a motorcycle? Like, the picture in question, if you can find it from his save during that race, because he, he passes Zarco for the lead one corner prior towards the end of that race. Um, he's going, he's breaking from 200 miles an hour down towards turn one, He's gone in too hot. He's going wide. He loses the front of the bike. The tyre is fucking sideways at this point. But he's able to put the entire weight of the bike on his knee and shoulder to prop itself back up because he hadn't lost the rear. So he was able to pop the back of the bike back up on his front tyre and he was able to save it by going across the gravel and keep it upright. He would go on to finish the race in third. Danny He's Pedrosa. just won back-to-back titles with arguably the third best bike on the grid. Yeah. I know Honda's come a long way this year with its big bang engine, but holy shit. The guy, like, he's the only man on the planet who can do what he's doing on a motorcycle. No, anybody else, that's a crash. That's a horrendous accident. Marquez is able to save it. He's crashed 26 times this season, but only twice in a race itself. That's he the G- almost ate shit again during the first day of 2018 testing and he saves it again turn 10 this time rather than turn one and again like half his body is off the bike and he's going that's that's not a slow corner turn 10 that's about 100 miles an hour um just he's a freak he is an absolute monster I, i cannot speak enough about him and i cannot speak enough of andrea de vizioso who has been fan he narrowly missed out on the title this year um, he's been phenomenal all year long. Six wins. He he he, he fell on his sword at the end of this race. He, he was he was pushing beyond the limit to try and keep up with the leading group. Um, he fell towards the end of that race. Him and his teammate Jorge Lorenzo. Controversy with that one regarding team orders as well. We'll get into that on Bike Live itself. But um, Dovi crashed towards the end of that race. His, his first self-induced crash of the entire season, right at the end in a desperate attempt to try and keep up with the leading group. He came back to a hero's welcome from the Ducati pit crew, and rightly so. He's been phenomenal all year long. He's given that team some hope. 
and he's been outstanding all year long and a real gentleman as well he's been a classy dude all the way through the entire season he's a great guy and he deserves all the credit in the world for being basically Marquez's biggest threat to a title since he got into the top flight which is quite a scary thought when you think about it but uh, yeah, all of that, as well as obviously Pedrosa winning another race that will be forgotten about. Poor Pedrosa. <laughs> he always wins the races where there's always a bigger story. Poor guy. Uh, Pedrosa. Johan Zarco's phenomenal second place again um, as well. Alex Rins finishing in fourth. Another shout out to him. KTM not finishing uh, bottom of the constructors because they beat Aprilia on the last on the last day. Um, I'll, talk, I'll take the piss out of Lewis Sudderby's investment in a KTM cap on the show itself later this week. Hi, Lewis. Um, <laughs> and, of course, the Moto2 and 3 races as well. Miguel Oliveira won his third race in a row and in Moto3 where Jorge Martin finally broke his duck and got his first class victory as well. All that and more on Bike Live later this week. Probably Saturday, most likely, for that one. So stick around for more on our social media as that happens. But, uh, yeah, check it out on Dean. And as mentioned... You can get a little bit early if you back us on early access. So, before we go for this week, we have some mailbag questions to dig into. Um, fun times, fun times as always. So let's get let's get cracking on that one. Um, Miles, Patreon backer, Miles at the Pardonator asks: Do you think the extra? Do you think the cars will be faster at all next season, given Lewis's comments about extra weight and more conservation of the engine? Um, in my opinion, I think he's got a very valid point especially given they're going to three engines for the season next year before penalties come into play. So, uh, yeah, I think, there's gonna, I think they're going to be a lot more conservative in general. And, you know, everybody likes that sort of stuff. Everybody likes car saving, right, RJ? I, mm, yeah, they absolutely do. They like to save the progress of the cars that they have uh, unlocked. That's what they meant by car saving. Saving yeah. the cars to the memory card and the hard drive. Yep, yep, definitely. There's not be a problem at all. But hey, Zoe, think of it this way, right? We've saved the internal job of having to press the button for new track record every two seconds. New fastest record. <laughs> new race lap record. New track record. And it's like, so that poor intern's got carpal tunnel. Like, I feel like, I feel so sorry for that person. Jesus. Um, probably for the best for the lap record times, not so good for actual top tier speedy boy stuff, most likely. Uh, fun internal question asked from Joe Ellis is asked, what are the plans for the end of year awards? Will there be separate bike live and motorsport 101 shows or a special combination of the two? There will probably be two separate shows. That is what, I mean, I would love to do a show with all five of us on here if possible, don't count on it. We've all got very conflicting schedules. It would be kind of a pain to try and pull it off. I would love us to try. We'll have to wait and see. Um, cross your fingers, but don't count on it, Joe, is the best advice I can give you on that one. Um, there'll probably be a little bit of crossover in that. Like, like I think there'll be a rider of the year category in the actual Motorsport 101 awards at the end of the year, which will be fun. You know, like, you know, see, like, good luck having to choose between Mark Marquez and Jonathan Ray for that award. That's going to be fun. Uh, fun times and fun times indeed. Uh, Miles, another question. He also asks: Do you think Lando, and to a lesser extent George Russell, will determine whether F1 stays as popular in the UK post Lewis? Well, they kind of have to be. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, the thing is, like, obviously, 
We had Demon. And yeah. Then kind of fell away, and we had DC, who kind of wasn't. He was in a good car, but never really. He was up against Mika, and was never really going to beat Mika. And no. then Jensen kind of showed up, and kind of put a lot of people off and was Playboy ways, and then kind of became the nearly guy until he finally went a hungry, and then obviously. So I mean. It's been a while since we've had a British driver who's been so dominant. So yeah, I mean, from my experience, like when F one guys get behind the Brit, they really get behind the Brit. I mean, Lewis Hamilton is one thing. Lewis Hamilton's almost his own entity because, like, he's the first social media F one megastar that we've had really in in this country. And it says, oh, he's second favourite to win Sports Personality of the Year this year. Only Anthony Joshua's got shorter odds than him, who's the landslide favourite. Um, but Hamilton won it in 2015. When he did, he was the first F1 driver to win it since Damon Hill in 96, the year he won the world title. So when the Brits get behind the guy, they really get behind the guy. And this is like, the, can we talk about autosport? These are the same guys that, put, that gave Jolian Palmer a front page spread and said, and called him Britain's next great hope. So, like, when, like, Britain likes to go balls deep in its F1 drivers in terms of hoping they do well. So, given that Lando Norris is really good, like, I don't think it will take much for us to get behind him. Same with George Russell, who, again, is a great talent. Um, I think the future of F1 in Britain will be just fine. Like, if they were able to get behind rather monotone dudes like Damon Hill and and whatnot, like, Nigel I think they'll Mantle. be just fine. And Nigel Mansell. And the porn stash, of course. Um, Centrally licking the uh, the strawberry for Canon printers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still creepy. But um, if they can get behind those guys, Lando will be just fine, I reckon. Um, technically speaking... Britain hasn't really been that successful in F1 since the 1960s, when you had Jim no. Clark, Graham Hill, John Surtees, and Jackie Stewart. Like at that time, we had four Brits all like winning championships and races. Like we haven't had an era quite like that since then. <laughs> yeah, it survived. For those guys playing the Motorsport 101 drinking game at home, Zoe just mentioned Jim Clark. Feel free to empty your glass. <laughs> it, it took us the best part of two hours, but we got there in the end, yo. <laughs> it makes sense in context, at least. Do you think I give a shit right now? <laughs> Not a single fuck will be given by me to take the piss out of you, Zoe. <laughs> My Glaswegian alter ego. As RJ quite puts the awkward looking Nigel Mansell Cannon commercial in, in our Discord chat. It's all sorts of weird. I'm, I've never seen this before. It is all sorts of weird. As he just awkwardly steals a printer. <laughs> yeah, just looking at it like, yes, this is this is what Frank Williams pays me to do. No, the, <laughs> the, the Bobby Unser natural gas ad is still the weirdest. Which involves him at one point having his his, form, his now former wife standing outside the shower to hand him a towel. Lovely. God. Um, remember the one where Murray Walker and Damon Hill are eating a stuffed crust pizza, yes. pizza hut? 
Oh god, yeah. He'll spun it again. <laughs> Shout outs uh, also to the Honda commercial with I know Alex Zanardi was one of the people in it, and he gets locked in the portal. Oh my god. How did I not how did I not know? God, Michael, you you absolute you absolute lad. <laughs> I, I will have to find my my Fred, my epic Fred of IndyCar commercials again. Again? <laughs> yes. Zoe, we've been through this. This is a problem. You need therapy for it. It's not my fault that they can take the piss out of themselves. The only commercial from modern day that is worth playing is a time where Alonso and Hamilton duke it out to the tune of anything you can do, I can do better from 2007. It is the most hilariously awkward thing ever. And Especially surprise, Mika Hakkinen. Yes. It's like, oh, it's too hot in here. And it's like, when Mika Hakkinen turns on, like, yes, Mika, you gangster. Also, the scene in that where, like, like Alonso froze Luis to the ground and they couldn't edit out the fact they were laughing to themselves as they were doing it. It was hilarious. Like, they, if you look closely, you could see Luis is laughing. And they, they actually couldn't cut it out of the shot. It was that good. <laughs> also, it's funny seeing a 22-year-old Lewis Hamilton now. It's he's, he's a proper baby. Jesus Christ. Things have changed. Must be the genes. Um, Lock Krogan, Lock Krogan, on Twitter, asks... What was the best motorsport event you've ever been been to, and what was the best and worst thing about it? Goodwood um, in 2013. Damn, you did Goodwood once before? Yes. That's why I want to go back. And drag me with you. Yes. How um, could you? Um... I got to speak to Bobby Unser for a good half hour. Um, I also got uh, Bob Dansler, the original Lotus Mechanics autograph, which also got the classic oh. Lotus team lot rather excited that someone was even asking for his autograph. Meanwhile, oh. meanwhile he was more concerned that I, w I was possibly getting sunburned. Oh, <laughs> very Scottish. <laughs> yeah, for me, most likely the 2015 British Superbike Championship finale. Kind of an anticlimax in my case because Josh Brooks had already won the title by that point in time. Um, he was he was so far ahead in the showdown playoff format that he'd actually won it with a day to spare. Um, <laughs> they were only doing BSB race three that day because I think they did race one and two on the Saturday the day before. I only got tickets for the Sunday. Thanks, Johnson, um, on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, like it was great. It was at Brands Hatch. Um, it's a great circuit. Um, great for bikes, sort of. A little bit dangerous in places, but it's not bad. Um, yeah, it was. It was really, really fun. Um, things I loved about it: the, the noise of the bikes are fantastic. It's a lot louder than it makes out on TV. I'll say that much for free. They're they're very, very. They're like lawnmower loud. It's 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 very loud indeed. Over a hundred decibels, easy. Um, on that one. The only drawback really is like circuit prices. <laughs> like you haven't lived until you've paid two pound forty for a bottle of coke and you feel ridiculously guilty about it afterwards. It's like did I just pay two forty for a bottle of coke? 
really? <sighs> and then paying like one pound fifty for an Oreo ice cream sandwich when you can get like ten for a pound at Iceland. It's 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 not good. <laughs> I mean, uh, it could be worse. You could have dropped ten whole dollars on a mediocre basket of chicken fingers and fries um, at Petit Lama like I did this past year because I decided, you know, I, you I just hungry. gave up. Yeah. I just gave up. I was hungry, and nothing mattered anymore except for the fact that ESM Tequila Patron were just kicking all sorts of ass. Mm-hmm. Favorite race I went to? 2015, Barber, IndyCar, Grand Prix. Joseph Dugard gets his first win. Barber yep. Motorsports, a wonderful facility. I get sunburn all over my face because this guy forgot to put on sunscreen. I think the joke here is uh, white people <laughs> forgetting the sunscreen. <laughs> when, when, are, when are we not the joke? <laughs> Especially lately. <laughs> <laughs> Too busy throwing your coffee machine out the window. Uh, yep. gotta, gotta, th- gotta throw my coffee machine and my Volvo car out the window. Don't tell me it's insurance fraud. That's un American. <laughs> Moving on swiftly. Um, I'm not even going to pronounce your username. It looks like you beat your head on a keyboard um, to, to type it out. Vettel and Lynn SV5. That's your name on Twitter. We'll go by that. Um, who can best Hamilton next year? Um, probably Lewis no Hamilton. one. Yeah, like like the only way this doesn't happen is if Lewis Hamilton finds a way to lose to himself. I think at this point. Um, yeah, I, I don't really. I, I'm off the narcotic for good. There is no way in God's green earth I'm picking Vettel to win a title again ever. No, I'm not doing this, people. Like Tune I'm not. In 2018. You shut your mouth. <laughs> oh dear, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing this again. Uh, Brian Glennon's got a couple of questions for us in the inbox. He says, "Has this season that F1 lived up to your expectations?" This is an interesting question. Yeah, because yeah. what were our expectations of the season? We would we would know that there would be some crummy races, mm-hmm. be a lot of good races. There'd probably be a bit less strategy because the tires are so hard. Um, no, they're soft. And, yeah, soft. <laughs> they're they're soft in theory. Um, <laughs> in terms of the quality of racing, I think it came out about as expected. In terms yeah. of like the the battles and how they played out on the track. Um, maybe some of us expected Ferrari to be much closer, and in some respects they were, but just not close enough when they needed to be. Yep, this uh, this season met expectations. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I can't argue anything RJ just said. I think it's been about how we thought it was going to be. Did we expect Mercedes to win? Yes. Were we hoping that? Ferrari were going to be able to put up some form, Ferrari or Red Bull were able to put some form of fight up. Yes, did that happen? To agree, yes. Were we expecting the Hondas to still be shit? Yes. I mean, it really was as expected. There wasn't, the closest I think to be a surprise is probably what happened at Azerbaijan. That was like the one race where the, like the dam of Formula One crazy got burst open, um, and that was about it. 
I mean, I'm trying to find any other surprises. Uh, the fact that Sebastian hmm. nearly had maximum points on it, penalty points or something. The fact that Carlos Sainz got his promotion early. The fact that Brendan Hartley is even here at all. Yeah. True, true, true indeed. I mean, it's, oh, dear. it's not even like a surprise that uh, Daniel Kivya ended up getting treated as he was by Toro Rosso before the end of the season. It was that kind of a... We were all kind of sitting there waiting, thinking, if they have an excuse, they're going to kick him. They got their excuse true. and they kicked him. Michael Buffer shows up at the U.S. Grand Prix, and we're yeah. mostly okay with it, except for the curmudgeons. Except for the ones screaming tradition. As, except for the ones who don't like fun. Mm -hmm. The ones who scream tradition and also scream tradition towards grid girls, even though grid girls didn't originally exist until commercials arrived, which is also the same time that the, the trophy garland also disappeared. Hmm. Zoe Hamilton is way off script right now, yo. Way off script. We did not endorse yo, all that. This is a fucking shoot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, this is a shoot, brother. Oh, uh, dear, oh, dear. But yeah, I think it was about as expected for the to be there, Brian. His second question. If you could make a grid of who we know is going to be in 2018, you can add Kubica and the clerk because they're all but confirmed. Based on talents alone, what would that grid look like from front to back? Interesting. So you basically saying make F one a meritocracy? Like that's that's a that's a reach. Um. <laughs> Put Joseph in there. Put him in a Mercedes. I'll hang up and listen. Oh dear. Um, Carlos Sainz in a Ferrari, please. Yeah, that, that, that works. Um, get Oliver Rowland in the other Renault instead. Have Charles Leclerc maybe with Haas instead of Kevin Magnussen. Where do you put your boy Vettel? He's in Ferrari with Carlos Sainz. You sure, you sure he's not going to be at Mercedes? Well, if you want the best two in the best car, fine. You can have Vettel in a Mercedes. You can have you can have Val finally you know, take his lifelong dream to being another mediocre Finn in a decent top tier seat by being at Ferrari alongside him and Carlos Sainz. <laughs> oh. Have Fernando Alonso at Williams alongside Lance Stroll, who's proven himself to be an adept, decent rookie. He can stay. You can keep Perez and, and Ocon at forcing you. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Toro Rosso, keep Pierre Gasly. Sure, Brendan Hartley's been all right. You can keep him too, I suppose. You know, two-time WEC world champion, Brendan Hartley, of course. Um, McLaren, Lando Norris being one of them. And then, yeah, keep Stoffel Van Dorn in the other seat. That's fine by me. And then Sauber. Antonio Giovinazzi, because there's no room left to anybody else. Yeah. And um, that second seat. You know what? Just just go just go wherever the hell you want to go with whatever seat. Who? Just pick pick somebody. Pick Pascal Verlein. 
Keep Pascal Verlein because he's done nothing wrong in his F1 career to date, and if anything, he deserves better. Pascal Verlein has done nothing wrong except put the team on his very strained neck and shoulders. Literally. But he's, he's Any objections there? He be an F1 because he skipped those races. He doesn't. Yeah, he's not gonna... Oh, we're oh we're back on this again. <laughs> Zoe, ca catch me outside. <laughs> Square up. You know there's some idiot who still thinks that. I know. I know. Sigh. <sighs> okay. The question to RJ O'Connell from Vagilis Kelamedis, who asks, do you think it would be a good idea for Super GT to race at Shanghai? Uh, it's a Shanghai. Um, it, would be, it would be awesome. You would get a lot of people there. Um... The circuit itself would have some good racing. I just don't know if they have um, mainland China set on their sights. I think they tried to do this back in 2005, and the race kind of fell through a bit. Um, hmm. They're committed to Thailand as their lone overseas race. They thought about going back to Sepang. They've also thought about a street race in Singapore. If I were me, I'm thinking, y'all, I like Chang International Circuit a lot. Like it's an underrated Herman Tilka circuit in a developing motorsport country, but you turn them loose at Singapore under the lights. Mm -hmm. Just give it to me. Just, oh, just pour it all over me like Alexander Rossi, emptily and uh, apathetically dumping an entire gallon of milk over his head. <laughs> I gotta put the gif. I gotta put the gif in the Discord chat. Uh, this is from no, a, no, you don't. A, it's from a great YouTube video with James with Hinchcliffe and Rossi. I'll allow it. <sighs> and Hinch is just like, "Yo, where's my milk, Alex? What did you do with my milk?" Uh, and then it then... cuts back to Alexander Rossi on the front porch, just. Dumping it right down his face. He has Indy 500 winner's fever. <laughs> <laughs> this is just such a mood. <laughs> just pour it all over me. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, uh, Henry Chapman asks, If IndyCar were to have an official game, brackets not counting Project Cars 2, what company would you want to develop the game? Well, they did um, have a game back in 2005. 2005, 2000, yeah, 2005. Right, so Codemasters, probably number one on the list. They got the experience. Yep, they got the experience. They've been there before. They've made IndyCar games, and their last F1 game was pretty great. So I'd have no problems just giving it to Cody's at this point if they wanted to take it on a second time. I'm cool with that. I had the game. I played it once and caused a huge crash and just didn't touch it again. Zoe oh. felt guilty. <laughs> oh, goodness. So it's really just like mid-2000s IndyCar. Yes. Sweet. I was playing as Dario. I misjudged trying to go around the corner in the oval, hit the wall, and then bounced back across the track and took half the field with me. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. Wasn't this like this string of two races in 2007 where Dario just, like, 
decided to rack, cash in on all his frequent flyer miles because he did it in Michigan. And then a week uh, later, he's and then he did it in Kentucky the following race after the checkered flag. Fun fact: He got more press coverage for those two flips than he did for his Indy 500 win that year. <sighs> Sorry. Thanks, yeah. Tony. Um, while the game was from like 2004, 2005, that was oddly enough when I was playing the game. <laughs> it was 2007, and it was just like, like I. I still have my PS2 copy. <sighs> it's lit. Uh, last question of the episode goes to our friend and yours, Charles Regimble, who asks. Best race you've seen all year in any series. Don't all rush into once, people. Indianapolis 500? Yeah, that's that was a good one. Yeah. Decent 500. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to be biased and go to two wheels on this one. MotoGP at Phillip Island. That was an unbelievable race. That was basically 28 laps of Mark Marquez, Johan Zarco, Valentino Rossi, and Maverick Vinales beating the shit out of each other. Figuratively and literally, given the amount of spread paintwork from, from, on people's levers after that race. Um, but no, no track on the planet produces great bike races like Philip Highland does. That race was incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah, um... So for me, I think MotoGP at Phillip Island qualifies for me. Uh, RJ, what do you got? Any 500? Yeah, that's a that's a good shout. If not that, then there was a very good Super GT race at Sportsland Suco this July. Just not for that bad. finish. They were hitting wheels. It went down to the final few quarters. Like, bits were flying off those cars. And they were still going at it. They hugged at the end. That's great. I love this series. What about you, Zoe? Um, better be once to actually say the first race of the IndyCar season with, like, Bordy winning it. Like, like just that sort of dump. Like, it wasn't expected in the Dale Coin car. It was quite a good surprise. After he wrecked in qualifying. Yes. We forget he wrecked in qualifying, and we were thinking like, "Oh boy, oh there's Sebastian Bourdais proving to be the worst four-time champion in history." And uh, yeah, then he just like goes and lays a beat down on everybody. He got a jammy caution. James Hinchcliffe was leading that damn race. I'm not salty about this at all, honest. <laughs> And yeah, like shout out to Ryan King, who's just popped in in the chat to say, just saying, I called it. <laughs> Smug New York bastard. <laughs> um, but uh, the other one I'd say would be Pocono, but Pocono is always quite a good race. It is indeed. That is a very good shout as well. We didn't get the fourteen car wide scenario this time round, but hey, who who cares? It was great. Um, so yeah, I think. On that note, we're just about done here, everybody. 
Um, thanks everybody for listening in. Places you can find us quickly one more time. YouTube.com for Gran Turismo Sports Streams. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. New blog is up, The Year of the Protagonist on Motorsport101.net. You can check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You can follow us on Twitter at Harrison101HD at WeZoe, at RJ O'Connell. And if you really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live, which will be out back again later this week as well, most likely the weekend, talking about that epic MotoGP title finale at Valencia, as well as Miguel Oliveira's third win in a row and Jorge Martins' first win in Moto3 and that team order scandal. Because, hey... Mapping 8 totally doesn't mean what you think it does. Anyway, without further ado, that'll do it for this week. I've been Andre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell and Zoe Hamilton. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Like I'm not you are the world!